0: Welcome to Season 2 of the Disreputable Podcast. My name is Brandon Pearrett, co-host with Dean Curry. If you enjoyed Season 1, then Season 2 is going to blow your mind. Let me assure you this, it will be disreputable. The topics, the guests, everything we talk about is going to be disreputable, and it's just for you. Thank you for listening. Now enjoy Season 2. Of the Disreputable Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to our Disreputable Podcasts. This is episode four. Yeah, my name is Brandon. I'm here with Dean Curry and his twin brother yeah, David yeah. Curry. Oh, Always boy. good to have Dave with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're
1: hoping for a fight between us or something. Yeah, I'm a, a totally. knockout, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so stay tuned. This is going to be good. Yeah. Well,
1: obviously, I'm uh, partial. Because I'm so proud of David and the work he's done. But what's interesting, and I want to I want to oh. cover leadership stuff. I want to talk about global issues because you're involved in global issues. But when I, I I know every step of your career from building fences to garbage man to youth pastor to uh, you were a missionary to South America for how long? Uh, seven years. Seven years. Wow you ran a rescue mission for seven years. Yeah, for nine years. Nine years. Mm -hmm. uh, And now for how long have you been working? I've been seven years with Open Doors. Open Doors, for those that don't know, uh, helps persecuted Christians, places like North Korea, Somalia, Iran, Iraq, uh, and advocates for them on the public uh, policy stage. Real quick, uh, before we get into the lessons Mm -hmm. and all the Where would people find more info? They can go to opendoorsusa.org, which tells the stories, but also has some statistics as to what's happening around the world. But really, it's about connecting with uh, your brothers and sisters, your family that's facing persecution, maybe in prison for their faith, and uh, finding not just uh, how you can help them, but the lessons from their faith. Because people like that who who really have to count the cost, and the cost is great in some cases. Everything. Uh, those are inspirational people, but there's also things you can apply to your life and, your, and the lessons and the challenges you're facing. So, yeah, if, uh, absolutely, some people are, they're climbing the career ladder. Yeah. You're a little farther along than a lot of people that are watching, hopefully sharing. This is going to get shared. Arena. Yeah. What's the common thread between all these jobs? You've owned your own business building fences and decks and you were a garbage man and you were a youth pastor and now you're running this Organization that's in like in sixty plus countries. Yeah, how how do how do you tether all that together? Well, I don't I don't know that there is a common thread, but I do know that all of it rolls up together. It's like they're stacked. And hmm. uh, all of the lessons I've used, I remember. You're gonna think this is funny, but I, my first job was working at Taco Bell, which, by the way, I was nice. fired. <laughs> uh, and then I worked uh, when I was sixteen or whatever. I... Uh, Moved over to McDonald's, also fired.
0: Uh, <laughs> were but, you really I forgot. Yeah.
1: So, uh, but the but the interesting thing about that was then years later when I was running a rescue mission, the decades oh, later, wow. uh, and we were serving thousands of people every day, and even though I only worked a few months in those in those jobs because <laughs> I was <laughs> I was fired. Uh, you know, all of that. You you know, you know a little, little bit about food service. I knew a little bit about it. I'd yeah, seen well. how it's services and freezers and all these all right. kinds of things. And then here we are serving thousands of meals every single day for a decade. Mm-hmm. And it's just super helpful. Everything, this the weird journey, you see it in the story of Moses, but it's also true in my life, probably your life. And yeah. The weird journeys that God takes yeah. leaders on. Very mean, straight lines it's not it's not uh you know some unbroken path of climbing it's just um experiences you accumulate trying to be faithful mistakes made uh, some victories and and before long you're useful in a really interesting way yeah what makes a great man Uh, in, in this these bookshelves are full of stories people now dead that Society would consider great men, great women. Mm. You've been around <clears throat> leaders in North Korea who are running underground churches. You've yeah. you you've been in the vice president's residence, and you've been in the White House. You've met secretaries of state, presidents. Yeah. What makes a great leader? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Uh, I admire different things about different people, uh, Brother Andrew was the gentleman who started Open Doors. Right. I encourage anybody who hasn't read his book or looked up his life. Mm-hmm. The book is called? The God's Smuggler. Uh, to, to read that, he, he decided in the, you know, 65 years ago to start smuggling Bibles himself in a Volkswagen Bug wow. into the Soviet Union. And exceptionally dangerous. Uh, he's one of the greatest people I've had a chance to meet. And he is totally a contrary person. Yeah. He's not a rule follower. Obviously, uh, and we can you can sort of pick that up in the narrative of his story, but right. when you're with somebody like that, I guess the greatness is in the courage and boldness to to break the mold hmm. um, Other people i've met it's it's the strength of their character and the consistency and integrity of how they do things. Hmm. I mean, I think God uses certain kinds of people for certain kinds of things. Let me give you an example uh Brother Andrews. Best friend was Corey Ten Boom. again. Somebody who, if you don't know who she is, you should know. Yeah, her book is in this show. It, it, yeah, it's the hiding place. I've been to her home where she hid Nazi, uh, uh, Jews from the Nazis. There. In what home, city is that? In uh, Harlem, in the, in the uh, in the Netherlands. Wow. But when I was talking to Andrew about uh, Corey Ten Boom, he said to me, "Now, Andrew himself is very, uh, uh, very much a rebel." And he said Corey Ten Boom was the most difficult person he knew, and he meant that in an affectionate way. Right. So there's a tendency to think of great people as all in the mold of what I would think of as Billy Graham. They're all rule followers. They're all they're all people who who step, paint within the the lines. But I can tell you there are lots of different kinds of people. Yeah. God uses them in various ways based on their temperaments and their gifts and That's and even their mistakes, right? Right. That's encouraging, because you do think... I mean, that ought to be encouraging to you, because you're not exactly a rule <laughs> Thank you. A rule, a rule follower. Right. But I mean, that's why we call this disreputable. Yeah. Because right? not everybody fits the... nobody. Nobody's going to elect anybody in this room for pope. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, for example, uh, Andrew, he his heart was for the lost in an exceptional way. So mm-hmm. when uh, everybody wanted, after 9-11 to kill bin Laden, he was trying to contact the Taliban in order to meet with him and talk to him about Jesus. Wow. He talked to Yasser Arafat about Jesus. He talked to all of the rascals of his generation about Jesus and introduced them. That is hard for us to get our mind around. Yeah. It's really hard, but but th- this is the stuff of which greatness is made. It's finding your, your unique gift and your unique journey as uh, weird and as winding as it may be and saying, what does all of this stack up to? So in a sense, I can't answer the greatness question until I, you know, the person and you see how it's manifested in their life. I like that, which is kind of why, I, why when you're applying it personally, you're saying, what are the things I, I, I have going on and I've experienced right. that I haven't yet learned from, or that I have to address. and And that's, not separate from your greatness, or what could be. I mean, you got to work through it.
0: How much uncertainty was in this new opportunity, which now has been seven years? Yeah, but sure. of Open Doors USA, I'm sitting here listening to you going. I know nothing really, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are probably going like, I mean, you're 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 shedding so much information and history that I'm like, oh my goodness, did did I mean, did you know? All of this going into it, you've been in it seven years, and now it feels like you're...
1: you're... I I had read the story of Brother Andrew and God's Smuggler, which gives you a sense of what it means to be a secret agent for Jesus. Right. The the world we live in now with Islamic terrorism, with uh, surveillance and tracking that never existed 60 years ago... Mm -hmm. complicates it the policy things you need to know all these kinds of things but always uncertainty has in the leadership role has to do with the how you help a organization to first stabilize survive thrive They're they're pretty common you know themes the subject matter that i have had to dive into Mm -hmm. to know a lot about north korea but at the same time be able to talk compellingly about Sudan or Somalia they're totally different subjects totally different parts of the world mm-hmm. and do interviews on major media on yeah. any yeah. subject they may ask Absolutely. That, that's that's hard but that's not uncertainty that's just a challenge an intellectual challenge well, how do you yeah, uh, yeah. let me give you another angle for this cuz when i know i know because you and i chat regularly that you're meeting with people that a lot of people hate sure right uh, you're meeting with some political leaders on both sides of the aisle. So Republicans are mad that you're meeting with these people, and Democrats are mad that you're meeting with these people. And then internationally,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're meeting with disreputable people. And some of the people that are doing your work are breaking the law. They're smuggling Bibles across borders, and they're right. they're getting arrested. One day I called you, and you, I said... Uh, how how you doing and you see, you were almost in tears because your whole team yeah. underground team in a country was arrested and you never heard from them again right hmm. talk about that it's good since this is a public setting i would say open doors never does anything illegal i just want to qualify <laughs> there might never we never do anything uncivil cuz right. so this is the body of christ trying to have access to the bible Sure. And, and study the Bible. So, uh, governments need not fear us in that sense. Right. Um, so, I guess uh, the 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 experience of, of knowing what's going on and having to deal with difficult people is is a it's like the process of getting into lifting weights, where what what feels like a lot of weights in right. number one. Not so much in month number two or year number two or year number three, which is true in any leadership role, right? right. You just get used to lifting a certain amount, you get used to interacting and having a certain level of resistance, mm-hmm. um, having certain amount of people hate you or dislike you or misconstrue what you You get hate said. letters sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah and from sometimes from my friends the most negative feedback i've ever gotten is you know speaking out on some something that had to do with supporting uh people in the middle east believers in the middle east and have people who i would maybe naturally associate with mm. you know sent thousands and thousands of negative letters within 24 48 hours you know, and it's it's good it's good to experience that every once in a while
0: do yeah. you have a philosophy or a way of thinking on on dealing with haters? reason why I ask is because we live in this world where it's like yeah. haters and all this kind of stuff. I mean, do you, enemies, haters, how do you view them? And then and, and then do you have a way of just kind of working through that?
1: I'm naturally sort of drawn in by that sort of thing. If I know... You know in a positive, you don't mind. You like it? No, no, actually, I mean, if I know that somebody is yakking about me in some negative way, I can... Meditate on that for a while and turn it over. So thus, I try not to interact with it any more than I have to. Gotcha. So that So that I can just stay productive. Right. Um, but I am a fighter. I think, you know, if that's what you're sort of hinting at. I, but that has more to do, uh, if it's disassociated from me. But if someone's challenging my character, I can get defensive. And so, uh, for example, on social media or something, like, I don't interact on it. Right. Um I have someone else deal with it. I just don't want to if I don't need to know, you know, all the specifics, mm-hmm. but of course a lot gets through to you anyway, but Sure. So, I don't want to live in that sewer all. Right. The yeah. Good. So so uh, tell tell me how a world-class leader uses a day. What does the average day look like for you and 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 which what would you recommend for people that are watching? They're running a car business, they're raising a family. There, some of them are employees, some of them are employers. But what does a day look like for a great day for you? Well, a good day for me would start early, uh, but it, that has more to do with the fact that I, I'm an early riser, and I'm not very good after about three o'clock in the afternoon.
0: So when you say early, you're, what what do we? Talking? I would
1: almost always be at work by six o'clock or six. So
0: six you're early. up four thirty. But
1: remember, I have I can talk. To, to Europe and to the yeah. East Coast. so I always have things I can do no matter when I wake up right but uh, I, I like to start early but actually I think the more general idea is to know your own rhythms which yeah, is quite, something I'm always testing against like when what, when am I at my best what's to, what do I feel like I have the capacity to do well right now? Yeah, I just good. focus better in the morning so I you know can write in the morning the harder meetings in the morning and yeah. the afternoons. It's not that I don't do something, but I would need to you know, do one-on-ones or more social engagements right. that don't require me to be so focused all the time. I, that has happened over a long period of time where I've, I've perfected, in a sense, perfected it, but you're always uh, working it and trying to stay in the zone so that you don't waste time, which I think is obviously the challenge of any leader now. Right. It's like uh, when you get distracted, or you know, sort of get into a an unproductive state. It's easier to just kind of flip through whatever and look through emails. But you're you're you feel like you're working, but you're not working. Right. I wanna, that's what I have to stay away from, so that I don't fritter away my time.
0: Right. Do you believe in balance?
1: Um. I don't. I don't think I do. I mean, I. I what I do like is to have a, a, a meaningful, you know, to put the most meaningful things first. So obviously my kids and my family relationships were going to have a higher priority than anything else. Sure. I would never, I encourage people who work with me, I would never encourage them to throw over their kids or a meeting or go to a game in order to do some, you know, sort of middle important task at work. Right. So and I certainly try to manage it myself, you know. Yeah. Imperfectly. But you go hard. I think most right. people would look at your schedule and go, "This guy doesn't have a lot of balance." You're not putting in eight-hour days five days a week. But I take days off. I I when I shut off, I totally shut off and relax. You so, turn your phone off. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. I, I I don't. As I said, I don't have public social media. I don't have. Um, I don't spend lots of... I will have weekends. I'll take vacations. You know, So I think balance is funny because it's never 50-50. The word suggests that you're right. kind of half and half. Right. I want to be fully engaged when I'm at work. When I come home, I want to be fully engaged mm-hmm. at home. That's good. And the problem is if you're not fully engaged at home, then when you get to work, you got to feel like you got to call and touch base and balance out whatever you didn't do. And then... You're not really engaged at work, right? And when you get home, you gotta check yeah. your email. It's it's a mess. So so you have a lot of you had dozens of employees when you ran the rescue mission, right? Yeah, you have employees now around the country, around the world. Well, I'm directly responsible for 55 people. Okay, yeah. but you're, you're... and I've had more. You're you're interacting with people on different continents. Yeah, what makes a great colleague pretty yeah, question uh i like people who have an easy temperament who aren't going to be i don't like to work with overly dramatic people this is just me uh, you know i as i describe it i want to sit down with people who we're going to have a, a frank and open conversation about whatever the subject is and disagree mm-hmm. and then close the book on that maybe and say let's go to lunch or, or let's Right. Talk about the game. I I don't. I don't want to work at a peak of of conflict or frustration. Yeah, but you're in kind of a dramatic work, which is all the more reason to kind of find a nice, easy rhythm with your partners. Right. If in the long term, if I can't find a balance with somebody, then we're not going to work together for very long. Okay. Give me something else. Other than easy, Um, I I like people who are in, in in the improvement. Because if you're not, uh, the things that we are dealing with now in leadership, social media, data, surveillance, um, all of those things did not exist in their current form 10 years ago. Sure. So you have to learn. And and, and I can uh, take that and sort of forward think that uh, we don't really know what the challenges are going to be a decade from now. So if we don't have learners, I don't need people that have a specific set of answers that apply to everything forever. I need people who are smart enough to learn, to solve, to think, because we don't know what, sometimes we don't even know what the right questions are, let alone the answers. And That sounds trite, but if you think about it, it's really true. Mm -hmm. What is the next big thing? How are you going to talk to a lot of people? Well, get on social media, get on this and that. Well, really, isn't that clutter now? Isn't that a bunch of noise? It's like white it's noise. It's going to cut yeah. through, right? Yeah. So, in any endeavor that people think they know the answer, I would right. say they don't. Not you may not even know what the right question is. Mm. You have to be learning critical thinker, these kinds of things. But if you find somebody who can do all that and have an easy temperament, the people who succeed, the close to me are almost always what I would call easy to get along with. But it's that's not, you're not describing what I would think of as magic. There's, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that special, or the something expected. transcendent. Gets concept. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but how hard is it to find somebody who's really exceptional at what they do and who's also you pleasant to work with? <laughs> that's pretty great, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, everybody's different. Maybe some people like to work with, uh, People who are really super dramatic and at a peak of of anxiety, and this brings out the best. You yeah, more power to you. Sure. But in, <laughs> when you're interviewing me, I gotta tell you, yeah, I don't want to work with people who are gonna yeah. be a lot of drama because you end up that's you end up with so many situations where you they're subtracting energy, right? And that is that to me is not worth it. But that's a temperament thing. That's yeah. just That's just David.
0: Um, 55 employees, I say to myself, how does one lead 55 employees on, do you lead it on a personal level? How do you set it up structurally? You don't, if there's some things you can't explain totally, that's fine.
1: It's, I just work with three or four people who are, who are close to me, who I pour myself into and my ideas and philosophy. Right. And try to create a situation where they can do their jobs well. Right. And particularly because I'm on the road a lot. Right. So I may be gone for weeks at a time and I'm not going to be uh, in the house. I won't be in the office. So um, when I am in the office, it's about being available and, you know, st- spend a lot of time in the in the common spaces and talking to people and you sure. know, the social elements to leadership. But most of the time I'm dealing with three or four people. Yeah. And oh, no. just trying to not uh, trying to hire people like I said who are easy to work with. No, ask a question, and then if they're really exceptional, you don't have to tell them what to do; they're doing it. Sure. You're just trying to help them. Let yeah. me give you uh, this. Will be my last question, yeah. Brandon. And then you can you can wrap it up. However you want. Okay. Um, I guess it's kind of a two-part question. For, I know you've written how many books? I've written five books. And uh, so what I'd like you to say is, what's one book? That people should buy of yours that you're most proud of and why, and then the second thing is what are you growing into now? You mentioned you like people who are got it. good question learners. I forget how you phrased it. I like the way you said it. But uh, what is David doing right now that we could do? Well, I wrote a book to answer the first part of the question called First Aid for Enablers, and I wrote it when I was at the Rescue Mission. And the idea is to try to give people some initial steps on how they deal with relationships where they might be enabling bad behavior. They're stepping in between somebody's negative habits and the consequences of that habit. Hmm. sort of cushioning them. It can happen with kids and spouses or whatever. Sure. And a lot of people think of it in terms of like if you have children who are addicts or something. But it's everybody. Right. It's for... it's. We all do it. I do it. I wrote a book on it, but I do it and I notice it. That's all your stuff. best-selling book. Yeah. So I, I would recommend people look at that. There's a little work study. It's on Amazon. Nice. A study book.
0: First aid enablers.
1: First aid for enablers. For enablers. Okay. It's just the introductory concepts, with some great ones. What was the second part of question? What are you learning now? Uh, I've spent a lot of time... Um, uh, The subject matter stuff, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about certain countries, the China, I was just in China, uh, trying to understand surveillance, artificial intelligence, and how that country is creating a system that will efficiently oppress people. It's a crazy idea, but I recommend people look at some of the interviews or whatever I've done online on this subject. So I'm spending a lot of time on trying to understand the technical parts of it. Meaning, I'm having meetings with people who understand artificial intelligence, who understand how data is tracked, who understand how facial recognition works. It's really an interesting subject, and it will be something. Are you worried about how your privacy is affected by Facebook and all this sort of stuff? I mean, most people have thought about it somewhat. Imagine scenarios where a government, the communist system, Wow. He is tracking you everywhere you go and knows that Dean has gone to this church five times, six times, ten times. Why is he going so often? Why is he going to three different churches? Um, so there's some interesting stuff there. I'm studying that um, trying to understand it. Anything about anything technical right now?
0: Yeah uh, closing thought from uh, to, to the camera we have business owners, uh, college students we have. Moms, dads, all sorts of people, um, on the in the leadership vein. Uh, you mentioned something at the very beginning of this from your journey from Taco Bell to now Open Doors, <laughs> <laughs> um, of it just kind of being this this roadmap, if you will, not a rail. Maybe there's somebody and they just kind of feel like they're at level three and of this journey, and they just kind of feel like they're stuck and Um, they're not happy and you know, they're, they're, they're looking for, for what could be next. And then what, what would be one thing that you would just kind of say to them in this moment from your perspective,
1: whenever anybody's telling you their journey, they're giving you the 10 minute version of it, where they go from Taco Bell to something of interest and, and importance in 10 minutes. But the reality is it takes forever. Sure. So don't be discouraged. Whatever you got in front of you, just do it well. I, I can remember when I graduated from Bible college, I did not, could not buy a job in the ministry. There's a wonderful guy who gave me a job as a garbage man for about a year and a half.
0: I was a good garbage man. Yeah. <laughs> when you right? said that at first, I thought you were playing oh, it no, a little no, no, bit. No, no, and I, no. I was like, I was oh, here garbage. we go, this is
1: good. And, and, and in <laughs> that is the lesson. Because I, for, so there were days when I thought to myself, I am going to be a garbage man forever. It's an right. honorable job. It's a good, honest work. But it, I didn't sense it was my calling in life. Right. Uh, but, you know, um, that all of that stuff, if you're doing it well, again, that's how it stacks up on top of one another. You, le- I learn things there that I will take with me forever. Yeah. And that I still apply to this day on how to deal with certain kinds of situations or The value of hustle or schedules or, you know, all kinds of things. Yeah. And by the way, when I was working in the rescue mission uh, business, we had addicts, prostitutes, uh, people who would not bathe for a year and a half or two years, whatever. You you walk in to help these people and they smell and they're difficult or whatever. Hmm. A lot of people are way too cool to walk up and give those people a hug. And when I was in that situation, I always used to remind myself: if I had a suit on, and somebody walked up and they were dirty, or I, I would come to them. I'm a garbage man. What difference does it make? Like? I'm gonna hug these. People. I love that, dude. You know, you just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So everything.
0: That's everything,
1: awesome. I, I often think to myself, all you. You're garbage man. You're you're capable of doing this job, right? Yeah. So it's all it all works out. I, yeah. I would encourage people to that.
0: Yeah. Well thank you, man. Yeah, and man. thank you. Thank you for listening. Truly. Thanks for sharing. Make sure you share, Dean us Last three people. time. Three people. So make sure you share Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.